couple of things. Um, first thing, it has nothing to do with the message today, but it, it was something I read last week, just one simple sentence, and it just, I don't know, for some, for some reason I feel like sharing it with you right now. I'm going to work it in later into a message. Uh, but, but somebody once said that, that expectations are planned resentments. And I just thought that, you know, simple words, but you just roll that around a little bit. Hang on to that today. Um, pretty powerful. Expectations are, are planned resentments. Um, Easter um, in two weeks, uh, and, and we're, we're, we're going out of order of our foundational beliefs, obviously, to focus on eternal life, um, which is what the gift that Easter celebrates. Um, so again, I would like to encourage you to invite, um, you know, one, one of the things um, culturally anymore, um, there are a lot of people, probably, probably people you know, who don't really know why we celebrate Easter. I guarantee you. There are, there are, there are people you know, people you work with in your neighborhood. Um, they really have no, no idea, no clear understanding of what Easter is all about. Um, so I just want to encourage you to invite friends, family, members, coworkers, neighbors, um, invite them to one of the Easter services um, um, if, they're, if they're unchurched um, because, because what we have planned is, is really a, 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 a wonderful and celebratory explanation um, of the promise of Easter. So, so we, hope, we hope you'll do that um, in two weeks, actually. Let me get my stuff ready here. Today, though, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and... and the Holy Spirit is a power that, that God desires to pour into every believer's heart. And it's a power that God desires for every person. Now, when we talk a lot about, when we talk about power, there's all kinds of power to talk about. And, and we, get, we get focused on the negative side of power. Um, we say things like, like uh, you know, power's gone to his head. Um, we say things like, oh, she's, she's just power hungry. Um, so we know about the downside of power, uh, but today we're going to talk about the other side of power. We're, we're going to look at the power that, that goes directly to your heart, and that's the power that comes from God. And that power from God that goes directly to your heart, that's the power that will make a difference in you and the world. It will make a difference in your life, and it is a power that will fill you up. It is a power that will overflow in you. It is a power that will motivate you. It is a power that will overwhelm you. It is a power that will move you. And it, will, it is a power that will drive you into the realization in your life of the abundant life that Jesus Christ has promised for you. And so when we think about that kind of power, we got to say, who doesn't want it? Who doesn't want that kind of power? Jesus made very clear where this kind of power comes from. And here's what he said. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. Now, if you've got a Bible from home that you've opened up, there's two words I want you, two phrases I want you to highlight in there. If you're using a pew Bible, I don't care right in it. That's what it's there for. Go ahead and highlight. Highlight in your Bible, Holy Spirit and power. Holy Spirit and power. The first thing that Jesus says is when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so we're going to look at what this, what this means. It's not bizarre. 
It's not strange. It's not unusual. It's not unexpected. But it is something that is promised by Jesus. It is expected. It is normal. It is something that Jesus says will happen when we come to Christ. And it's, and it's something from God. So what do you think of when you hear the words, Holy Spirit? When you saw the title of the message, Holy Spirit, what do you, what do you think of? Used to be when I was a kid. You know what I thought of when I heard the word Holy Spirit? When I was a kid, I thought of like Casper the Friendly Ghost. I thought, I thought of those people that, that hang ghosts on their trees at Halloween because, because when I was a kid, the church we went to, the pastor, when he did his benediction, he always did it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And so in my little kid's mind, up until I was about 30 years old, when I thought of, you know, you hear a phrase and your mind pictures something. And so because of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I would think of the Holy Spirit as, as like Casper-like. Casper the friendly ghost-like. But we know that's not accurate. I grew out of it. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. We can say the Holy Spirit is God's person and presence and influence given for our daily lives. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. It is the third person of the Trinity, and it is God's person and presence and influence and power for our daily lives. And Jesus says that, that when you come to him, you will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things I don't want us to misunderstand, and oftentimes we have these preconceived notions, especially those of us of a Reformed, Presbyterian-like, Protestant tradition, when we think of the Holy Spirit and when we think of being in the power of the Holy Spirit, we imagine these, these wild-eyed and wacky charismatics, right, waving their hands and speaking in tongues and, and doing all kinds of ecstatic things and just, and just kind of putting on a freak show for everybody because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not complicated like that. It's not weird like that. It's really simple. I've had people say, I've had people from other traditions say, more charismatic sometimes, will say, will say well, are you, are, you, are you a Christian? Well, yes, I am. Are you a spirit-filled Christian? When did you receive the Holy Spirit? When did you receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to talk about this morning how easy that is to understand. And, and, and the fact is, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you start walking with Jesus Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have a secondary experience. You don't have to have some kind of ecstatic, charismatic experience to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? How does it, how does it work? We're all designed to be filled by something. That's, that's what we do. We're designed to be filled with something, and, and, and we all make choices about what we're going to be filled with. People make choices of certain hobbies. And, 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 that's, and that's a good thing. Hobbies are a good thing as long as there's balance. Some people choose to be filled with work. They are very dedicated and devoted to their jobs, and they love to work. And again, it's great to be filled with work as long as there's balance. Some people are filled with family. Family is the most important thing to them. And, and again, that's a good thing as long as you don't make your family your idol. 
You know, when, when, if somebody says, my family is the most important thing in my life, they've made their family their idol. God is the most important thing in your life. It is God who gave you your family. It is God who sustains your family. It is God who created your family. And so don't, don't fill your life with your family to the point of your family being your, your idol. Some people fill their life with the church. And you'd think the pastor's going to say, that's always a good thing to fill your life with the church, but it's not. Sometimes people fill their lives with so much busyness for the church that there's no room for Jesus Christ. Just like that opening song said, I, 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 just, I just want to be in your holy presence, Lord. I don't want anything from you. I just want to be with you and in your, and in your presence. You can fill your life with hundreds of things. You can fill your life with anger. You can fill your life with resentment. You can fill your life with envy. You can fill your life with lots of things. But, but here is the thing. Here's the thing. You can have a full schedule and an empty life. You can be filled with lots of stuff and have a lem- an empty life. And so, and so the question is, are you, are you filled with, with things that matter? Are you filled with things that matter? One of the pictures the Bible gives us in the Old Testament of, of who we are and how God created us is from one of the prophets. Uh, I think it might be Jeremiah, where, where, where he says, I, I, am, I am the potter and you are the clay. Is that, is that Jeremiah, Tracy? Jeremiah or Isaiah? Uh, uh, I am the potter. And you are the clay. And, and, what, and what he is picturing there is, is, is God is turning us, making us, he makes us a vessel. And he makes us to be, to be filled. He is the potter and we are the clay. And he turns us into a vessel that holds things. That is, that is to, be, to be filled. And Jesus says, we are, we are truly filled when we come to Christ and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's God's created intention for us. I made you to be filled by the power and presence of my Holy Spirit. So we are meant to be filled with God's presence. And God wants to be part of our everyday lives. Now here's, here's the most important thing I want you to remember. If, if you only take one thing away from today, I want this to be it. So get your pencils ready. If, if, if you're going to write this down, God bless you. If you're not going to write this down, you need to write it down. Through the Holy Spirit. See, I've rambled enough that you've had a chance to start writing it down. Through the Holy Spirit, God wants to fill you with his power and presence each and every day. Through the Holy Spirit, God wants to fill you with his power and his presence each and every day. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul says you're going to be filled with something. And so here's the stuff you need to be filled with. This is what God intended you to be filled with. 
Some people fill their lives with things that are harmful. Some people fill their lives with things that are only a distraction from deeper meaning. Some people just, just are, are, li- are, like, are like rats on a treadmill, just spinning, 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 wasting their time, filling their lives with stuff that doesn't matter. Some people fill their lives with things that steal time from contributing to the greater good. But when you come to Christ, God gives you something else. He gives you something better. You can, you can let the Spirit fill your life, and you will feel God's power at work in your life. And here's, here's the best thing of all. It really works. In a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple thing. It's not complicated. You, you don't want to overthink it. You don't have to overwork it. It's just a real simple way, four simple things that you need to know about being filled with God's Spirit. First one is, is it starts with desire. You have to want to be filled. As Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And what Jesus is saying is, when God says he wants to do something in our lives, God's going to do it. God doesn't say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill you with my spirit, and then, and then, and then he, he adds an addendum of more complicated paths to get filled with his spirit. He says, when you come to Christ, when you come to my son, you're going to get filled with my spirit. So all you have to do is ask. I'm going to give it to you. Jesus, you know, Jesus says what he means, and he means what he says. He's going to do it. So it starts with desire. It simply means saying, God, I want you to give me what you want to give me. You know, it's just not what I want. It's not what I want. But it's, God, I just want you to give me what, what you want to give me. There's a moment in Jesus' ministry when he speaks of that, of that inner desire to be filled, to receive from God what we can only get from God. And it happens in a time of year called the Feast of Tabernacles. And this, and this was a celebration that lasted about a week. And, and people would flock to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Imagine, imagine um, the host city for Super Bowl week. Just an, just a, just an influx of people. And they would, and they would, and they would come. And, and one of the last things that they would do during the Feast of Tabernacles is the priest would gather, and they're in the temple, and, 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 and he, would, he would lead them in worship, and then, and then he, would, he would lead the worshipers out to the pool at Siloam, and he would take a gold pitcher, and he would, and he would take water up out of the pool of Siloam, and then he would lead the people back through a gate in Jerusalem called, symbolically called the water gate. And he would lead them back through the water gate with the pitcher holding water from the pool at Siloam. And he would stand at the altar, and he would slowly pour the water from the pool of Siloam out onto the altar while reciting uh, uh, passages from Isaiah 55. And Isaiah 55 talks about the people's cry for salvation the people's rescue from God. And so as he poured this water out, as he recited, uh, the people would be mindful of two things, both earthly practical things and spiritual things, one earthly and one spiritual. The first thing they would be reminded of, this was a moment when they were asking God to provide rain for the coming harvest. Very practical. If you were a farmer, you'd, yay, God, we need rain. 
okay? The second thing, though, is, is, is a spiritual thing because their minds would be immediately drawn to the prophet Joel who said that, that he would pour out his spirit and your old men will, see, will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and your women will prophesy. So there's going to be a pouring out of the, of the spirit. So the people have a desire for deeper things. For deeper things. So it's, it was precisely at this moment. We don't know exactly. We don't know exactly. It could have been while the priest was pouring the water. It could have been after the priest was done pouring the water. But at this moment, Jesus was there in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and while, while this water ceremony, this water ritual was taking place, this is what Jesus did. The scripture tells us that he cried out. It means he shouted so everybody could hear. And Jesus said, John 7, 37 and 39, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is saying, that when you come to me, I am the wellspring of living water. I am, the, I am the gift of the water that you are seeing symbolically reenacted here. I am that very living and powerful presence and gift. And when you come to me, you will receive the Holy Spirit as Joel prophesied. That's a powerful statement Jesus made. That is, that is a deep thing that he's digging into. He says he will fill you. He will quench your thirst. He will fulfill your hopes and your dreams. Jesus says you, 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 don't, you don't need a ritual. You don't need to wait once a year for the priest to get the golden pitcher and fill it with water from the pool at Siloam. You don't need to do that. You don't need to wait. All you need is Jesus. Jesus looked around and he knew the thirst of the crowd. He knew their desire for deeper things, for deeper meaning. He knew that everybody has a thirst for a relationship with God. Everybody was thirsty for spiritual, a deep spiritual life. Everybody wanted to connect with God. Jesus is, is saying that, that you and I, we were created to have a relationship with God. The things of this world get in the way and we get distracted and Satan comes along and, 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 and he tries to, to get you to, to quench that thirst for deeper things with, with the things of the world, of the devil, of Satan, and he distracts you. And those things can never satisfy. And you know that. We know that. We heard that throughout our Celebrate Recovery series. The world is littered with bodies and lives broken as people tried to satisfy that thirst for God with things of this world. It's like the man lost at sea. When people get lost at sea and they don't, and they don't have water, uh, their, their thirst drives them to desperation. And they, and they start drinking seawater. 
And when they drink that seawater, it begins to poison them inside and it creates a deeper thirst. And so they drink more and they drink more and they drink more until they die. You see, only, only Jesus can give us what truly quenches our thirst. Only Jesus can do that. So we have been created for deeper things. We have been, we have been designed to be filled. And it all begins with desire. Knock and the door will be opened. Just ask. God wants to give it to you. Second thing is, on the road to being filled by the Spirit, you repent of your sins. That's a beautiful word, the Greek word for repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. A beautiful word, and it, and it literally means to, to turn around. So when, when you repent, you make a 180-degree turn. You turn away from that which is harmful. You turn away from that which is hurtful. You turn away from that which gets in the way of your relationship with God. You turn away from that which gets in the way of your relationship with those you love or who love you. You turn away. When you repent, you were going one way, but now you're going another way. Here's how 1 John puts it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All you have to do is confess your sin. Remember what we just said. God, what God promises to give you, he will give you. He wants to give you. You just have to have the desire to ask for it. The same thing goes for, for, for forgiveness. Just ask. Don't confess your neighbor's sins. Don't confess my sins. I confess my sins. You confess your sins. Whatever ugliness is within me, you turn, you turn away from it. It's like when you get up in the morning. Who likes to look at themselves in the mirror when they first get up in the morning? Turn away. That's what metanoia is. And God gives us the ability to do that because he wants us to. Here's what God says in Jeremiah 2.13. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, see what, what, what Jeremiah is saying? It's, it's, like, it's like we're walking through life and, 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 and we're thirsty and God's got this big sign, flashing neon sign, fresh water, living water here, and we walk right on past it sometimes. Sometimes, ooh, there's salt water over there. And we reach for that. When all along, the spring water, again, what God desires to give you, he will give you. Here's my living water. Take it. God has a desire to give you deeper things. And then he wants you to turn from your sin. And then third, he, it's simple. This is easy stuff, really. You yield. You yield yourself to God. It's simply a matter of saying yes or no. I'm an empty vessel. God, I want to be filled by you. Or I'm an empty vessel. God, I want to be filled with all this other bad stuff. It's a simple yes or no. Here's what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Simple yes or no. If you want it, do it. That's a passage about yielding. And then James, the brother of Jesus, builds on what his brother said. 
when he writes, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he, will be, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Now here's a, here's a way to think about how that works. Again, we're, we're going to kind of keep with our, with our water theme here. Um, Coming to Christ, repenting and, and, and yielding, it's like, it's like a sponge in this bowl of water. The sponge is dry. There's nothing in it. And, and simply, you, you come to Christ, you walk with Christ, and look, you're immediately filled. That's all. You're filled with the Holy Spirit when you come to Christ. And... And it's not about arms waving and speaking in tongues and all kinds of ecstatic stuff. The minute, the minute you get Jesus, you get the Spirit. And there you are. You're filled with the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. Now, here's something that can happen. Because, because we're imperfect, because we still fade in and out at times, we, we lose focus, we make mistakes, we're, we're who we are. That happens. Um, sometimes we revert to our old ways. And, and when we do that, we're, we're still saved through Christ. But when we, when we do that, some of the spirit gets squeezed out of us. And, and that can happen. And that's why we're daily walking with Christ. We need to say, just fill me every day. Just fill me. Just fill me every day. That's why, um, and you know what? You can even, you can't see it, but I just, I'm squeezing water out of the sponge right now, holding it in the water. Because you see, it's much drier now, isn't it? I, I squoze the water out underwater. Go ahead and challenge me on that, I dare you. Um, and that's why, you know, that old, that old, that old cliche really, really takes on meaning when you, when you say, just let go and let God. Because when, when our imperfections and our, and our, and our, and our human frailties, uh, they're so much a part of our lives, and, and, and even when we're walking with Christ, we can be squeezing that spirit out. And so that's when we need to simply let go and let God. So you desire, you repent, you yield, and then, again, it's so easy. You believe. This ain't like taking an ACT. This is simple stuff. You believe. You trust that God will do what he says. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Again, highlight those two words, in believing. As you believe, God fills you with joy and peace. As you believe, the Holy Spirit overflows your life. It's about believing. 1 John 5.14 puts it this way. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request, requests that have been asked of him. So, so, so every day of your life, believe that God will do for you what he says he will do for you. No loopholes, no catches. 
No, no footnotes. He will do it. Here's something to try. Just as you need to drink water throughout the day, it'd be good to repeat these words throughout the day. Make these words your mantra. God will do what he says he will do. Just, just, just remind yourself of that every day. God will do what he says he will do. You wake up in the morning. Before you, your, your foot hit the, feet hit the floor, you say, God will do what he says he'll do. God will do what he says he will do. So, so you say, okay, okay, Richard, I, I desire, I repent, I yield, I believe. How do I know it's working? And is the answer going to be easy or hard? What? Easy. It's an easy answer. Look at Galatians 5. Here's how you know it's working. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. When your life is hitting on all of those qualities, then you know God's Spirit is working in you. You know you're a saturated sponge. But if you're struggling in some of those areas, you know that you're holding the sponge too tightly. You're still walking with Jesus, but you're holding that sponge too tightly. Are you, are you a little less patient? How are you doing with anger in your life? You pay attention to slippage. Are you, are you forgiving? Are you empathetic? If there's, if there's slippage in your life, then you know you need to let go and let God. You need to say again, God's going to do what he says he's going to do. So, so it's really, if you're, if you're walking in the spirit, it's not, it's not that complicated of a thing to figure out. You don't have to buy a book for 20 bucks. You just open your Bible. There's nothing really mystical or magical about receiving the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. If you're, if you're dry, if you're, if you're parched, all you have to do is desire, repent, yield, and believe. God's Spirit will fill your life, and he will give you whatever power it is you need to face whatever it is you're facing. You will be able to live a great and glorious life for God. It's, it's, it's that simple. It's that simple. God wants to fill your life today. How about we have the band come on up? Let's, are we singing a song this morning? Yes, we are. Come on up. Why don't you all stand? And as we're prepared to sing, go ahead and put, put that last statement back up there, Al. Can you find it? The, the very last thing. Let's all, let's all say this together, if you haven't written it down. If you haven't written it down, you need to write it down. Let's, let's say this together. God will do what he says he will do. Amen. Visit us on the web at tecumsehcove.org. That's T-E-C-U-M-S-E-H-C-O-V-E dot O-R-G.